Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome, Gladiators. This is uh, Chief Master Sergeant uh, Chris Howard, and today I'm here with uh, Master Sergeant Veilman. Hello, everyone. Master Sergeant Veilman here. I am with the 433rd Med Group, but in transition over to the 50th Network Warfare Squadron, where I will be the newly assigned first sergeant. Yay. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you. Also, this morning, we wanted to talk about uh, some of the travel vouchers. I think that uh, we'd like to start with um, what we call RTS. Uh, which is a reserve travel system, or uh, more commonly known as e-finance. And you've been heading up uh, what we call the CyberBlock, right? Could you talk a little bit about CyberBlock, and then we'll go uh, into uh, e-finance? Uh, yes, sir. So the CyberBlock is modeled after the H&R Block, which is, in theory, supposed to work where a member has an appointment, and um, I have all the information ahead of time pertaining to the member's travel voucher. So I have the order number. Um, and I have the member's uh, contact information so that I can contact the member. On the day of their appointment, I basically reach out to the member. At this time, I have already researched the voucher and more or less know whether the voucher is in the system and why the voucher hasn't been paid out or if it's been rejected. Upon contacting the member, we basically work through the issues that are going on with our member's voucher. Um, the, the cyber block is supposed to be to, to assist members to expedite the process. And how does that member get that appointment? So we have a, a, a TMT that goes out every week. And in the TMT, you have three different uh, schedules. You have two for DTS travel vouchers, and those are being headed by uh, members of each group. So you have um, one for the A60th and one for the 960th COG respectively, and then my schedule specifically for, for e-finance travel vouchers because they're a little bit more troublesome. Okay. And you really do break these down, right? You do the pre-research and uh, everything before the actual uh, appointment. But what does the member need to have ready available for you, right, to help you with that, right? What kind of documents does uh, an individual need to have? So if the member has not submitted their travel voucher in e-finance and we are no kidding, trying to work to submit the voucher, the member is going to need their 938, which is their orders that are going to take them to that TDY. They're going to need any um, receipts pertaining to that TDY, and that includes airline receipts. That includes lodging. If uh, they parked at the terminal, they need to have that uh, receipt as well. Uh, whenever, when it comes to mileage, that's something that we can figure out separately. And uh, I usually show the member where to go, um, which is a taxi fare finder. But um, let's see, uh, besides all the receipts, if they had any mods done to the orders, they definitely need to have the mods. Um, and if there was a 1610 that was attached to the 938, which sometimes that happens because uh, the RTS system is specifically tailored because... Uh, our reserve is we have a lot of uh, multiple orders and changes in status. And so if a member had a 1610 inside the 938, I need to have that as well. Well, we've talked about the 938 a little bit where that's the actual order. That's the activation order, correct? Correct. And then the 1610 is the travel order? The 1610 is 
So if a member is on a 938, it's basically, uh, let's say the member is on a 938 for, let's say, six months. Um, but within those six months, they go to a conference. That's going to put them on a 1610 uh, within the 938, which is another, basically, it's another order. The 1610 is just a different order. Right. 938 uh, basically employs them full time. That puts them in, in this status. Correct. And then the 1610 is used to move that member away from whether one location to another location and back. That's correct. Okay. So um, you were talking about uh, when uh, a member shows up to this virtual appointment, right? Because um, more often than not, it's telephonic based on the fact that we have so many GSUs. Uh, the member has uh, worked through their squadron. Their squadron leadership has worked through their group uh, leadership at the COG. And through a TMT tasker, they've got an appointment with you to look at that uh, RTS voucher. Um, they should, uh, more often than not right now, we're talking about uh, individuals that have problems with outstanding RTS vouchers, correct? So what are some of the problems that you're seeing um, when it comes to these RTS vouchers? Can you help us kind of understand maybe some of the things that, some of the pitfalls that we're looking at, maybe uh, some of the uh, common mistakes that we're looking at, so that uh, an individual wouldn't find themselves needing that appointment and maybe even getting paid a little bit faster. Okay, yes. Um, and so since I've been here, one of the um, objectives was to improve the current process, right? A trauma voucher initiative to improve the, the process. And so one of the big issues that we have is that members make mistakes on their vouchers, and it could be something small. Uh, one of the choices you have on the on the very first form, which is at 1351-2, which is what opens up as soon as you go into e-finance, you have a choice to select 12 hours or 24 hours of duration of travel. There are multiple, multiple vouchers that get kicked back for that simple, simple fact that somebody clicked on the 12 hours instead of 24. I think a lot of it is lack of education on the members. And so what we're trying to do, we're trying to put our videos together to address some of those um, education pitfalls. Another issue is that uh, the voucher goes after it leaves the unit, it goes to the 502nd, and then it, and then if there are any issues, the 502nd pushes the voucher to Ellsworth. If the voucher gets rejected by Ellsworth, when the member goes into e-finance, they don't see that it was rejected. All they see was complete. The only way that the member is knowledgeable that the voucher has been rejected is because the 433rd will contact the member. The 433rd does that by getting a reject listing from Ellsworth. So the fact that it goes from one entity to another to another, it definitely makes the process a lot lengthier and it, it leaves the member out of the communication loop because there is not a link between the member and the system telling the member where the voucher is moving. It, it, it requires an inter, interjection from the 433rd. Okay. So when I, as the member, submit it, I see that it's, um, it gives me an indicator that it's uh, accepted, correct? And it'll sit in that accepted mode. Um, that, that means it's left my unit, it's left my box, my unit, and it's sitting at the 433rd. And the 433rd takes it to the 502nd, and the 502nd sends it to Ellsworth, correct? No. So when you okay. finish the voucher, it goes straight from the unit to the 502nd, and then from the 502nd to Ellsworth. 433rd gets involved once it gets rejected because and they get a reject only if it gets rejected, and they get a reject listing, which they uh, theoretically are supposed to review weekly. But 
sometimes that doesn't happen. And so the voucher is just sitting out there rejected and the member has no idea that it was rejected or what he or she needs to do. What to can the member it. do to get that notice then? Is there anything that the member can do? The member can contact the 433rd. Uh, and I'm definitely going to post the contact information on SharePoint because you have three three individuals that take care of travel vouchers at the 433rd. So they're able to pull up the member's information and tell the member where their voucher is sitting at. And I think a lot of times uh, the member feels that there is no, um, they don't have that, that reach back. And so they just wait to hear back from from either the 433rd or the unit. And sometimes that voucher can sit in, sit out there for, for months before the, the, the member realizes that it was rejected. Okay. And uh, a lot of times uh, that goes back to those common mistakes, right? So we haven't clicked the correct box um, or we haven't uh, put in some correct receipts or something, correct? Any other uh, common mistakes that we're seeing by chance? Uh, you don't, members don't submit their orders. That's a, that's a big one, actually, And um, which, you you know, you would think that would be the first thing they upload in their their voucher. Um there, there's a list uh, in SharePoint that tells you everything that you need to submit with your travel voucher. And so um, what I recommend is that people, all the members get familiar with a SharePoint so that they can re refer back to that. And before you submit your voucher, just check that you have everything that's on that checklist. Your orders, your mods, everything that you know is going to pertain to that order. And again, you know, when the voucher goes from the member to the AO, the AO are supposed to review because they're reviewing for any mistakes and then they're authorizing that, they're approving it. So it, it has two two stops before it actually leaves the unit. So Okay. Sounds like um, you know, especially when we're talking about deployments, that maybe if an individual is um prepared to actually travel, maybe a folder with their orders and putting the receipts and the itinerary and all that together so that when it comes time uh, for submission of that particular voucher, everything's sitting right there. And then it's a, a kind of a scan and send situation uh, as they fill out the documentation. Um, would you recommend that as a, as a potential uh, course of action for an individual uh, as preparatory, right, uh, for, a, for a voucher? Absolutely. I mean, nowadays you can you can have a scanner on your mobile phone. You can scan your documents and put them in a put them in your files. Uh, I've done that with my receipts when I'm traveling. So in case I lose receipts, if you lose a receipt, we have to do a last last receipt form, which is an additional additional document, right? And so we're trying to if we're trying to do this a little bit um, smarter. I think if you know if you scan your receipts as you're traveling, you don't have to worry about losing them, and you don't have to do that last receipt form. So. Uh, definitely having everything in one place and scanning everything, build your little folder in your, on your desktop and have everything. So that way, you know, that you, that you have everything that's going to pertain to that travel voucher. Awesome. That's great. What other things are you seeing with these vouchers that are, are causing uh, our members problems? Uh, the process, you know, so just to give you an example, when, when a member's voucher gets rejected, and we review the reason why it was rejected. We identify it, okay, um, and we address it. Now we have to submit what is called a supplemental. And what that is is basically you asking the government to uh, reimburse you for for something that was not originally paid on the original voucher. It requires a lot of documents. So when we upload the documents into SharePoint to the 433rd, the 433rd has to print that physically take it to the 502nd and scan it 
the Filosecond grabs the, the, the vouchers. They scan it to Ellsworth. And then um, everything gets, gets uploaded into the workflow, which is the system that, uh, that communicates between, between all of us, 433rd, the FM office, Ellsworth, and uh, the 502nd. So it's a lengthy process. And so you want to make sure that when you're submitting your, your supplementals, if you know that they're, they specifically told you the reason for the supplement for the reject, you want to make sure that you address the, the issue so that you get reimbursed correctly. Because if not, it's going to get rejected again. And then you're going to have to do this, this process again. And it's, it's not an easy process. It's a lengthy process. It's a lot of forms you have to upload into the 433rd uh, airlift wing uh, FM SharePoint. And again, they grab the tickets as they, whenever they have moments to go through those tickets, they grab them and they print everything. So you want to make sure that you address the issues correctly the first time. It sounds like a very cumbersome problem here. Um, and then even a, a complex um, process for something that seems to be fairly straightforward. I think that um, it actually adds some angst to the situation. I think preparatory uh, work up front helps with some of that, right? If we are constantly having to do supplements um, to do this, you know, not following those reject uh, statements, this this process could take months, if not a year or more, right? So really getting that reject notice, trying to get that reject notice and reading that into what is the problem would uh, would help the member prevent further rejects, right? Is there any other things that uh, a member could do to prevent a reject by chance? So you just want to make sure your, your receipts are legible. A lot, of, a lot of vouchers get rejected for that as well. One of the things that I see... Um, a lot of rejects for is the CED orders not being legible, and that's out of the member's control. You know, sometimes the, the CED orders that they receive are not legible. So one of the things I would recommend is that if you know you're getting deployed and you get that set of CED orders, as soon as you get those CED orders, scan a good copy and save it to uh, a place where you know you can retrieve it from. Because um, when you're traveling with it, you, you keep tinkering with all your paperwork. By the time it's time for you to scan those CED orders, they're going to be faded. And they're going to get rejected. And then and then you have to communicate with the 433 so they can retrieve a new CED order. So it's a little cumbersome. I think it's, if you if you can kind of think ahead and with the, with the receipts, just make sure that they, they look legible. Um, CED orders and, and things like that, sometimes that's one of the biggest reje reasons for reject is because they, they're not able to read the receipts. Okay. <clears throat> Good point. There's a couple things I did want to hit on that we've uh, kind of hit real quick and... and um, but I'd like to define a little bit better. When we talk about some of the receipts, one of the key pieces that uh, I hear about is a non-availability slip. Do you, what, is, what is a non-availability slip? Non-availability is whenever the member is supposed to be uh, residing on base, base lodging, but base lodging does not have any rooms available. They will um, provide the member a non-available letter letting them know, since we don't have any availability, you need to go off base. Uh, and that's very important for the member to have because if the member does not get that non-A letter and they go and get a room off base, it's going to create issues when it comes time to paying their voucher because the government wants to, uh, whatever is more advantageous to the government, right? So if you go off base and you get a lodging, you get lodging at a place that's going to cost a lot more to the government, you may not get reimbursed for that full amount. But if you have that non-A letter, then they will reimburse you for the money because there was non-availability on base. 
Gotcha. And then when we talk about receipts, we're talking about receipts over a certain monetary value, correct? You know what that monetary value is? Correct. So anything that's $75 or more, you need a receipt for. And again, if uh, people lose receipts, it happens. It's it's just natural. So if that happens, we need to do a last receipt form. You're going to do a last receipt form. You need to also submit your credit card statement showing the amount that you paid for that particular uh, reimbursement that you are requesting the government to reimburse you for. So, for example, uh, I lost my airline ticket on one of my TDYs. And uh, calling the airline to get a receipt sometimes can be incredibly lengthy. And so I did a last receipt form and I had my credit card uh, statement and I highlighted that area and I did my last receipt form and it paid out just fine. So anything $75 or more, definitely you need a receipt. But if you lose it, we can do a last receipt form as long as you have your credit card statement. Right. So we talked about deployments as well. Um, One of the things that uh, I've heard might be a problem is conversion rates, right? How can we get uh, some help with the conversion rates when we're, we're dealing with receipts and uh, actual reimbursement? So according to the FM office, they do not want you to convert the actual expense. So if you are in um, in Europe and you're, you're paying in that currency, you're going to scan the receipt and you're going to claim it in that currency. They have the actual conversions. So when you get paid out, they're going to reimburse you for the exact amount that you paid out when you were in that specific um, country. Now, what I recommend the members do is that they always review their advice of payment, which is the AOP, so that because the member knows, okay, when I was in Europe, I paid this much, and I know it was it, it was equivalent to this much, you know, when you convert it to dollars. So you can make sure that they they pay you correctly, and if they did not, then we would need to do a supplemental. Awesome. I appreciate that. So I just want to walk through it one more time uh, just to help me understand. Okay. So I'm about to travel. Uh, I've been selected for a deployment. I need to make sure I have a good clean copy of my CED orders. Um, And that's different than the 938, correct? Correct. So then I have my 938 that puts me into status if I'm a traditional reservist. Um, And then I get a 1610 that takes me from my unit to my deployed location, correct? So I need all three of those pieces of documentation, correct? So you're not always going to have a 1610. A 1610 is, if you go into a deployment, you're definitely going to have a 938. Right. And you're definitely going to have your CD orders and your NATO orders. Okay. The 1610 only comes into place if you are already um, doing TDY somewhere and you have to do something L's additional while you're on that TDY. Okay, awesome. So now I have my different types of orders that all are applicable at times. Then I have my itinerary and receipt for my flight. Not the tickets, the actual itinerary with the receipt saying zero balanced with the CTO fee on it. Then I travel. I get there. I have billeting available. So I just have my base lodging receipt. If I had to stay over at any location and stay in a commercial hotel because base didn't have lodging, then I need a non-availability slip, correct? Then I uh, have all of the different receipts for the items that I had to purchase um, or bills that I had to pay for my travel. Uh, Then I have my return ticket home. Then I have my return uh, 
flight receipt and itinerary. And then I go to do my travel voucher. So I put all that together and I submit that. So any receipt over $75 with all of these uh, receipts, boom. And as long as I clicked it that it's over 24 hours, uh, I should be fairly set for an RTS voucher, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Pending that they don't find any errors, but yes, as long as you, like you said, you submitted everything and you, as it happens, they do sometimes pay out like right away. So, right, and I know I'm I'm just trying to set the tone rare, for but yes for what what we're hoping for, mm -hmm. knowing that um, human nature comes into play. Sometimes a fat finger here, fat mm -hmm. finger there, a mixed box there, um, not having this document there. I'm just wanting to lay it out what this looks like if we do everything correctly mm -hmm. and if we have everything prepped and trying to eliminate some of that angst going into it. So if I have all these documents ready to go and I go to sit down to do my voucher, even though I have this cumbersome system where I have to scan the items into it, then I have to make the connection from the scanned um, workspace, connecting that to the actual uh, um, line item in in the actual voucher then everything should technically pay out correctly correct yes okay mm -hmm. so uh, i know we've kind of gotten really into the technical weeds um i do want to tell you thank you for all the hard work that you've been doing with cyberblock i know that we've cleared up thousands of dollars in uh, supplemental vouchers to clear out and get our airmen paid so awesome work there um, i appreciate your time uh, kind of walking us through this. I know that uh, talking to me can be kind of uh, hectic and hard because I have to get a lot of uh, definitions. So I appreciate it. Um, anything that you'd want to leave our airmen with when it comes to RTS vouchers? So thank you. Thank you for uh, for the comment. You know, when I, uh, when I do these travel vouchers, I look at these travel vouchers like they're my own because this is definitely very important. You're talking about the members' finances and how it affects their morale. So it's definitely a, a lengthy process and we're working through what I what I would say is uh, for the members who hear this podcast and you have any suggestions on what you want to see um, in SharePoint as far as training, please, please send that to me. Uh, email me. I'm the only Vealman on the on the on the gal. And uh, my first name is Jeanette. Let me know so that we can I'm trying to to send out some education because I think, you know, if we educate ourselves better with these vouchers, then we can have a better uh, result as far as payout. And um, that's definitely one of my goals. And I will continue to work hard and continue to put out whatever I can out there. And if you have a voucher that you're going to submit in RTS and you're not sure if it's uh, if it looks good, just let me let me know. Call me or, or send me an email. And I can look it over before you hit submit, so that way we can avoid that voucher getting rejected. They can also use your, their ODTA in the unit, correct, to walk them through that? They can use the ODTA. Uh, right now we're going through through training. We're, we're doing some training. So uh, the upcoming UTA, I'm going to have a training session, a live session on how to complete a supplemental and how to upload it. So that's going to be very um, uh, inform informative. So if you can, you know, anybody that wants to log in, that's definitely at your unit level. You definitely want to, you know, uh, reach out to your ODTAs. And we're working on getting them more training on e-finance specific. Okay, awesome. So use your ODTA, um, use uh, Cyberblock. And uh, at the moment, that's uh, my Sergeant Beelman. And uh, have all the documents ready to go. 
And we have a recipe for success, hopefully, huh? That's right. Awesome. You might get paid on time. Woo, woo. That's the hope, right? <laughs> uh, everybody likes getting paid. And uh, the other piece I'd like to leave uh, our uh, gladiators with is uh, don't suffer in silence, right? Uh, when uh, these individuals are having problems, um, that frustration can be very compounding. And you're not the only one that's dealing with these travel voucher issues. Uh, we have tens of an you know, double digit number of airmen that have uh, voucher issues. So don't suffer in silence, ask for some help. Um, it's not you necessarily, maybe it's just a, a technology glitch or um, there's some knowledge there that we need to close the gap on so that we can get these turned around. But uh, sitting on these vouchers longer only make it worse. We lose receipts, we lose timing, and uh, we also lose some footing on how to get these done fast. So uh, reach out to your ODTA, Reach out to your squadron leadership. Reach out to uh, Sergeant Wheelman, and uh, let's get these things taken care of so that you don't pay the bill or pay the consequences of any of the bills not being paid. So, Gladiators, I appreciate your time. That's going to close out our fourth episode of uh, the Sword and Shield. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sergeant Wheelman. <laughs> I, I think that it, this is a valuable topic, and I really do appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I hope you have a great day. Adios.